Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. We thank you once again. We exhort your name. We magnify your name because you're good, you're precious, you're loving. We will come, O oh God, to receive instruction from you tonight. We are asking that, Lord, you help us to comprehend your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we want to continue with the study on biblical language in Numbers. And today we are dealing with number 11, and I think I will touch number 12 as well. Number 11 and number 12. So, number 11. Remember, we are dealing with the issue of... Biblical language from number 1 all through 10, we've done with that. And now we're dealing with number 11. 11 is used about 24 times in the Bible. Why 11th can be found 19 times. The number 11... It's used 24 times. Just leave it the way it is. In the Bible, why 11th can be found 19 times? Number 11 stands for judgment, disorder, and chaos. Judgment, disorder, chaos. You find that number 11 is like an extension, if you will, <clears throat> that could be beyond 10, perfection. So it stands for judgment, it stands for chaos, and it stands for disorder. Like I said, it is a number that comes immediately after number 10. Which speaks of the law and responsibility. 10 speaks of law and responsibility, like I said before. So, this is going beyond law. The realm where men will want not to take responsibility. That's number 11. So, 11 speaks of breaking the law. 10 is the number of the law. Like you have the Ten Commandments. Which speaks of responsibility, obedience. So, when you get to 11, you are going beyond the law. That is to say you are breaking the law. That is number 11. So, essentially it speaks of lack of responsibility. Lack of order, which is leading to judgment. When man doesn't want to stay with the, 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 the structures or the confines of God's laws, you walk in, in the realm of number 11. That is to say, you move into rebellion. When you move on from the instructions God is giving to you, into your own self-will, you're functioning under the influence of number 11. Because you're no longer taking responsibility. If God is giving you direction, but you decide to move into your own will, outside of His will, you're functioning under the influence of number 11. With your disorder, lack of responsibility, breaking the law. You find a very good example in the book of Genesis chapter 11. This is where men rebel against God. You look at Genesis 11, let's look at this one, and maybe up to number 4. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as a journey from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shina, and it was there. 
And the Bible said, and they said one to another, go to let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime and how they for mortar. And they said, go to let us build us a city. Now this is our side of God. Let's build us a city and a tower. We'll stop. May reach unto heaven and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. Hallelujah. This is man rebelling against God. They want to build their own city in that Genesis 11, breaking the law. They want to take responsibility. They want to stay within the confine of God's word. Praise the Lord. Now, what was the judgment that came to them there? The Bible made us understand that God confused their language. That becomes the next thing that follows. Leading to chaos. They got confused. Because God judged them. Praise the Lord. Are you following what I'm saying? Glory again. They got confused because God judged them. So he confused their language. And that's why they opened the page as they thought of Babel. They couldn't anymore talk with one another. So the judgment that followed the rebellion was God confused your language. Praise the Lord. And so, so you find that when you're walking under the influence of number 11, it doesn't want to take responsibility. One of the things that finally comes to you is you walk in the realm of confusion. Amen? Are we here? Now, there was a king in Israel called Joachim. Joachim ruled Israel for 11 years. You know, just number 11. But let me read another thing that tells you very precisely as it relates to the issue of judgment, which is number 11, chaos, because of lack of responsibility, because of disobedience, you come to the place of judgment and chaos. Look at Jeremiah 11, verse 11. Just like you find in Genesis 11, you also see Jeremiah 11 verse 11, and this is what it says. Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken. Jeremiah 11 verse 11. You see that? I will not hearken unto them. I will not listen to them. This is a realm of judgment. And that's what I'm saying. When you move in from 10, which is responsibility, which is law, into the place of self-will, which is now number 11, you walk into the realm where God can bring judgment unto you. And one of the things that he judges you with is not necessarily going to kill you. But you find that like in the book of Genesis 11, he confused your language. So, he brings a kind of confusion to your life that you will not be able to assess even what you're thinking about. And like here in the book of Jeremiah, it comes to the place where even the, your prayers similarly are not going to be answered, if I may use the word. You lose control. You lose your sense of responsibility. That's where you move under number 11. Your, your sense of designment, if I may use the word, similarly is taken away from you when you begin to walk under the influence of number 11, which is disobedient, which is rebellion. That's why you find in Jeremiah 11 verse 11. Just like you find in Genesis 11, you see the same thing. Like I said, Genesis 11 was the issue of confusing the language. In Jeremiah 11, God said, I'm not going to even listen to them anymore. That becomes a judgment that comes to us. And my level speaks of judgment resulting from lack of responsibility and not working under law, which is, if I may use the word now, number 10. Number 10 speaks of the law, speaks of obedience, speaks of responsibility. You remember that? So when you move beyond 10, you come to number 11. And so you now under the influence of, if I may use the word, your self-will, you are not relying on God's direction, which is His law, to live. Praise the Lord. A few things about this. These are the primary things I need you to know about number 11. Uh, but 
You also find that in the, in the, in the, in the Bible, for instance, in the New Testament, we have about um, 11 books that are not directly quoted from the Old Testament. In other words, those books, you don't see direct quotations from the Old Testament. There are 11 books like that. And, uh, and these are the book of Philippians, the book of Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, Titus, Philemon, First, Second and Third John, Jude and Revelation. You don't see direct quotation. You only see inferences, but you don't see direct quotation from those books. There are 11 books like that, that you find. Another interesting thing about number 11 is that Jesus was 33 years old, you know, when he died. According to Daniel chapter 9 verse 26, when he was cut off, when he died, he was 33 years old, which would normally be called 33 and a half years, but 33 years old. And that's a multiple of 11. You see that? Chaos, as it were. Praise the Lord. Okay. Alright, we find again that uh, the book of Kings is the 11 books you find in almost all the translations of various of the Bible. The book of Kings is the 11 book you find there. Moses was commanded to make 11 cuttings, you know, in the wilderness. If you look at Exodus 26, 7 to 8, let's just read that. Exodus 26, 7 to 8. And, and he said, And thou shalt make cuttings of gold eh, to be a covering upon the tabernacle. 11 cuttings shall thou make. 11 cuttings shall thou make. What's the next thing? Verse number 8. It says, the length of one cutting shall be 30 cubits, and the breadth of one cutting 4 cubits, and 11 cutting shall be all of one, what? One measure. 11 cuttings. So, this is all I want to share with you briefly about the issue of number 11. But what I want you to pick about 11 is, is the realm of chaos, disobedience, lack of responsibility, and judgment. Is that okay? So you see, in the case of Christ, the judgment of the sins of the world, as it were, he picked them by himself, 33 years old, and that is the multiple of 11. 3 times 11 is 33. Are you getting that? So judgment came on him, so that is number 11. So let's deal with number 12. I want to take these two numbers. Number 12 is found about 187 places in God's Word. In Revelation alone, it occurs about 22 times. Number 12. It's about 187 verses of Scripture you get about the word number 12 used in God's Word. In the book of Revelation alone, it occurs about 22 times. That's number 12. Now one thing about number 12 is 12 is a perfect number. And it speaks of God's power and authority and government. As well as serving as a perfect governmental foundation. It speaks of completeness or, if you will, the nation of Israel as a whole. Take this again. Number 12 speaks of God's power and authority. It speaks of the government of God. So as a matter of fact, it speaks of the kingdom of God. Number 12. Now I'll explain this to you. It's a perfect number. It speaks of God's authority, God's government, as well as the kingdom of God. That's number 12. It speaks of completeness or wholeness. As a matter of fact, we say number 12 speaks about or speaks of the church, if you will. Right? It speaks of the nature of God, the government of God. I've explained this to us before. There's a big difference between 
the sovereignty of God and the kingdom of God. Can you still remember that? God rules all men, all nations, if you will. But the kingdom of God are those who have submitted to the will and the authority of God. Out of love. That's God's kingdom. Is that okay? If the kingdom is the same thing as the sovereignty of God, which is God having dominion and power over all creation, then God will not ask you to seek the kingdom. Did you get that? If the kingdom is everything that God is doing in his own power and sovereignty, then we ask you to seek for the kingdom of God. He asks you to seek. If the kingdom is the sovereignty of God, then you don't need to be born again to go into the kingdom. But he said, except you're born of water and spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You have to be born again to go into the kingdom. So the kingdom is not the same thing as the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign over our creation and everything that he has created. But when we talk about the kingdom, we are talking about the people who have become born of his own spirit and walking in consonant with his love and we. That's God's kingdom. Are you with me? So number 12 for me is basically the kingdom of God. The rule of God, the government of God, the authority of God, the power of God, the dominion of God. That's number 12. For instance, you know of Israel, Jacob, he had 12 sons. With the prince each representing each tribe, making it 12 princes in all. Ishmael was born through Hegai to Abraham and he had 12 princes as well. So you see, from what we call the nation of Israel, is actually the twelve sons of Jacob. Now, that's where you see the twelve playing the role. Out of the twelve sons of Jacob, you got Israel, a nation. Are you getting that? So that's what I'm saying now. If the twelve represent Israel as a nation, by reason of the twelve sons of Jacob, you can see why also in establishing his kingdom he chose twelve apostles to start the new nation. The first nation, if you will, was the twelve sons of Jacob. Are you following me? Right. Now when he wanted to start the church, he got twelve apostles as foundation. To start a new church. So 12, like I said, is the kingdom of God, the authority of God. 12 is the nature of God. Praise the Lord. Are we here? Good. If you take time to study in the Old Testament again, you find that we have 12 living bread. That was placed every week in the temple with frankincense next to each other. Of the two piles um, you know, that were made in the temple. And the priests were commanded to change them every day. I mean, every Sabbath day, like you find in the book of Leviticus 24. Time is still there for us to read that. But I'll show you when I was teaching on the showbread. Remember that. Good. So the showbread, if you go now to the tabernacle, which is the holy place, not the most holy place, you find that it's a roll of twelve breads. And each of those bread represents each of the tribes of the children of Israel. So they were in six, I mean, in two rows of six each, making the twelve showbread. And God said, "Keep them there." As a matter of fact, the showbread was supposed to be the bread of His presence or the bread of His face. By implication, it was something that enables God to see you regularly. So there were twelve in the presence of God. Amen. So like I said, Christ called and chose 12 men to bear witness with what he did and to spread the good news of the gospel to the entire world. As he was given power both in heaven and earth. So he was starting a new race 
And then he chose 12 people to start and wait. Just like you have 12 from Jacob to start the nation of Israel. So the church foundation is on number 12. Which is the 12 apostles. Amen. Now in the book of Revelation, find it very interesting. Let's read Revelation 12 from verse number 1. Yeah, he says, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven. Sorry, Revelation 14. Revelation 14. And I look and lo, a lamb stood on Zion, and with him a hundred and forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. Now, this scripture has been interpreted in various forms in relation to these were going to be the first crop of people that will come out of the 12 tribe of Israel. You know? And like uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the faith, these are the people that are going to be ruling with Christ in the millennial reign. You know? That comes out of a great tribulation. But there are a few things you would like to consider if I may want to go on. Look at verse number 2. Verse 2 says, And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters. And as the voice of the great thunder, and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their hearts. And he says, and he sang as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts. And the elders said, No man could learn that song about the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. And I want you to know that our redemption go further. And he says, these are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. I want you to know that. These are they which follow the language where you go it. These were redeemed from amongst men, being the first fruit unto God and to the Lamb. Go with me to James chapter 1 verse number 18. James 1 18. Look at this. Of his own will begat he us with the word of, of truth, that we should be what? A kind of first fruit of his creatures. First fruit is not to say this were Israelites. You go back now to Re Revelation 14 now. You see, the scripture we just read in Revelation 14, verse 3, go back there. These were not. No, go to verse 4. These are they which were not defiled with women. Now, I want you to think. These were not defiled with women. Which women? Now, I'm, I, was, I was thinking it's men that defiles women. But yeah, women are similarly supposed to be defiling men. What is that supposed to mean to you? The Bible made us understand when you talk about women, you're talking about churches. Are you done with me? So we are talking about people who are not corrupted by the church system. The following the Lamb, if you follow that, so these are they who follow the Lamb with us wherever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruit. And I just say what the first fruit means. We are redeemed through the first fruit, which is the word of God. We believe what God says. We stand for what God says. We follow the Lamb as he directs. We are not defined by women means we are not corrupted by the church system by their doctrines. So the one forty four thousand is actually a multiple of twelve. Twelve times twelve equals to what? One forty four. And thousand, like I told you before, is God's own number. You remember that? Praise the Lord. So 144,000 is just a multiple of 12, which is the fullness of God's kingdom. He's not talking of some individuals in Palestine that God is redeeming to himself, or those going to go up to heaven to be the one to ruling with Christ. He's not talking about that. The new song we are singing, help me Lord, has to do with the revelation and the light of God's spirit coming into our life, away from the religious system. Praise the Lord. In fire, Revelation 7, the Bible talks about those who are singing the song of the Lamb. What is the song of the Lamb? 
the song of the Lamb, the song of redemption, as compared to the song of Moses, which is the song of deliverance. Moses wrote his song in Exodus 12, I mean Exodus 15, where they crossed the Red Sea. So we call that the song of Moses. What is the song of Moses? The song of deliverance. God, you deliver us from the hands of the enemy, all of those things, right? But the song of the Lamb is the song of redemption, who redeemed us with his own blood. So that is the song we are singing of those who are redeemed. Right? Now go back again to verse 1. Verse 1, Revelation 14, verse 1. And I look and look, the Lamb stood on my Zion. What my Zion? The church. Hebrews 12, 22. Remember that? Good. And with him, 144,000, having what? His father's name written where? In their forehead. What is the father's name? The nature of God. The identity of God. If it's written in your forehead, mommy, you are bearing the mark of Christ, the mark of God. Your wisdom is heavenly. That's just what he's talking about. So he's not talking about some people in Palestine and whatever the case may be, as men have always made us try to make us understand. That's not what the Bible is talking about. Praise the Lord. So that is number 12. 12 times 12, 144. 1,000 is the number of God. A day is like a thousand years, a thousand like a day in the hands of God. It's just God's own number. You know, a cattle on a thousand here belongs to me. You know, that's God's own number. So 12 times 12 gives you 144. So 144,000, the fullness of God's kingdom. That's what he's dealing with. It's not dealing with some arithmetical calculation that you need to begin to count and all of that, or talking about Jewish people. It's not talking about that. We are in Mount Zion, not, you know, uh, Mount Sinai. You have to go the difference. The difference between Mount Zion and Mount Sinai. When you want to talk about Mount Sinai, you're talking about Moses. Talking about Zion, you're talking about Jesus. So we're talking about the followers of Jesus, like compared to the followers of Moses. Praise God. Are we there? Now you see something here. The name is written in their forehead. Now we're working with God's wisdom. As opposed to the children of Israel that had the laws written in the tablet of stones. And how many of you understand that the laws are actually were expressed in God's nature? But they were written in a tablet of stone that were external as far as the work of the children of Israel were concerned. But for us, it's written our forehead. Now this to say, yeah, we are having the wisdom of God that comes from above. It's not that which is external. That's the one for the four thousand. That's a powerful number twelve is. Praise the Lord. So twelve times twelve is what? One body four. It's simply a multiple of twelve and symbolizes the fullness of the kingdom of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Now, if you begin to look at Revelation twelve, you begin to see the bride of Christ wherein. Twelve crowns. Is that okay? With the fullness of the authority of the power of God. A crown is a symbol of authority. I'm going to find time again to teach us and talk to us on the different crowns you find in the Bible. We have crown of righteousness, crown of glory, crown of joy. Several crowns you find in the Bible. And uh, I remember when we were young in the faith, we were told that we're going to have seven crowns when we get up to heaven. So uh, I remember asking a question one day, how are we going to be using the crown when we get to heaven, when we have seven crowns as our reward? Uh, so it's like every day you change your crown. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, but the crown is simply a symbol of authority. It has nothing to do with a literal thing. God does not use literal objects. You know, when he speaks about crown, he's talking about authority, the kind of dimension of authority that you have. Praise the Lord. So, Revelation 12, we start reading from verse 1 and all of that. You find again that the bride of Christ, which is the church, has seven crowns on her head. You know, on one hand, it speaks about Israel. On the other hand, it speaks about the church. You see? Praise the Lord. Okay. Uh, let's look at Revelation 21. Just 16, 17. Sitting with number 12. 
And the city lies four square. First of all, let's look at verse 1. Then we'll jump down. Look at verse 1, Revelation 21, verse 1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I've explained it severally. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea, no more multitude of people, for me not their own shame. Now, so there comes a time where you don't see people who are not stable in life, because sea speaks about instability. Are we together? And that's what the Bible talks about the knowledge of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So when that happens, there is not going to be any more sea that can form out their own shame like James and Jambres and Corey and Cain and Balaam, all of those sort of people. We are talking about people who are not swayed by all forms and doctrine and religion, whatever it is. They are stable knowing exactly who they are. There is no more sea. Because now we come into a place of a new heaven and a new earth. It's not something that is coming tomorrow. It's right now. There was an old heaven and old earth in the days of Moses. And there's this new heaven and new earth in the time of Christ. We just need to understand that. Praise the Lord. Amen. Alright, so it goes down to say verse number two. And then, no, verse number two. Just take verse number two as well. And say, and I just saw the holy city. Now this is where I'm coming to. The new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adored for her husband. The new Jerusalem. Why? Because there's an old Jerusalem. And Haggai corresponds to old Jerusalem. Sarah corresponds to new Jerusalem. Ishmael corresponds to old Jerusalem. Isaac, which is in Christ, corresponds to New Jerusalem. You see what I mean? So here he says, I saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride and for a husband. That is for Christ. Now there is something again I want you to understand. You are not going up to Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is coming down. I get this right. It's not as if it's going to be floating from the sky. That is something that people need to understand as well. This is a group of people who have received the nature of God manifesting the creation. You find a similar picture with the children of Israel when they left Egypt. And you begin to see people crying and say, Who is that coming out of the wilderness? In fact, by the time they go to Jericho, the Bible tells us, Rahab said, the heart of the people were already melted because they were afraid that Israel was coming forth. That is coming out of a new realm, a different realm entirely, the realm of God. So it's not as if one city is going to be floating off from the sky and descending upon the earth. Where will it, where will it descend? Is it in Palestine or in America? Where is it descending? And like I always ask people, what do you really mean to descend? To descend is not the same thing as something floating from the sky. For instance, the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians, reading from verse 7 all through Ephesians 4, it tells you that he that ascended is he that fed descended. Right? He descended, not just descended into the grave, he descended from above. In fact, in the book of John, he said, I am from above, you are from beneath. Have you, have you read that in your Bible? I am from above, you are from beneath. What is that supposed to mean? Did you come from the earth? No. What it means is, I came from a higher realm. For him to descend is simply the glory of God that overshadowed Mary. He said, Out of that holy thing that shall be found in thee shall be called what? The Son of God. That's how he descended. So descending doesn't mean it's floating from the outer space. So the church is not floating from the outer space. The church is descending into reality, coming into manifestation through the power and the glory of God. When the church begins to manifest the glory that God ultimately ordained for the church, that's a descending. Praise the living God. Are you here with me? Okay now, so go back again to Revelation 21. And then now uh, you take on. Okay, verse 3. Look at verse 3, then go to verse 16. 
And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be what their God. There's a tabernacle. The fullness of God, I mean, this is a marriage of God and man, and becoming one. Praise the Lord. So go to 16 now. Let's deal with our number 12. So in 16 he said, And he said he lied way, and the land is as large as a bridge. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 followers. The land and the bread and the height and of it are what? Equal. When you say something is equal, that means it's perfect. The cube. Land, bread, height, perfect. That is to say, the church is, help me now. You see what we read in the book of Ephesians, it talks about how that Jesus will wash the church with the washing of water that might present the church unto himself perfect. Is that okay? Right. So we're talking of this is a perfect church. And what do you find there? The square. Perfect cube. Both land, branch, height, and weight, they are world twelve. Now twelve follows. Go to the next thing, verse 17. And he said, And he measured the world thereof, a hundred and forty and four cubits. One forty four, according to the measure of man, that is of the angel. One forty four, perfect square. So, what is this actually telling us? The church is going to come to the place of perfection. And perfection actually speaks of maturity. Praise the Lord. Are we still here? Praise the Lord. Alright. If you read down, you're going to find again that he has 12 gates. And those 12 gates were named after the 12 tribes of Israel. Spiritually speaking, I'm quite speaking of the same thing as the nation. So this is speaking about a new nation, which is the nature of God. But it symbolized that number 12. The wall of the city is one of the four cubits high, like we said, which speaks of 12 times 12. And the city is 12,000 square furlongs. And that's just enough for you to understand what we're dealing with. Now, there's something I want to pick you now. I mean, pick for us now. Can we go to the book of Romans chapter 12? But I will follow in this. I don't want to... I just want you to pick how this number 12 works in relation to the body of Christ, in relation to the perfection of his body. Now, when you, for instance, begin to... We're going to read Romans 12 now. I'm reading from his number 6. But when you begin, for instance, to be having dreams or revelation, and 12 is being ministered to you, you should be able to see what God is saying. Understanding will begin to come to you. That's what God is saying. Is that okay? Right. For instance, if you haven't dreams of number 11, God is trying to say, try to create a balance. Because that's chaos. <laughs> you don't always have to think about the judgment coming in when you see number 11. But God is ministering to you to balance your life. You're walking out of balance. There is something wrong. Could be with your spiritual life, as the case may be, your finances, whatever the case may be. It's chaos. But when you start seeing number 12, God is telling you you come into the place of maturity and perfection. Or it could be drawing your attention, come to maturity. Just like scripture is saying, come up here. Get out of the realm that you are, come to a higher realm. Are you following this? Right. So, Romans chapter. I want to show you something very exciting of where you find out you have 12 gifts of the Holy Spirit. Romans 12, verse 6. Having then given differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy to the proportion of faith. Alright? Our ministry let us wait on our ministry. Or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exalted on exhortation, or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, and he that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with what? 
cheerfulness. You can that, and then you go down to 1 Corinthians 12, from verse number 8. 1 Corinthians 12, verse number 8 says, For the one is given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom, and the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit, to another gift of healing, by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, by the same Spirit, to another prophecy, to another designing of Spirit, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But all this work is that one and the same Spirit, Dividing to every man severally as a will. For as the body is one, and are many members, and all the members of that one body be many, are one body, so also is what? Christ. You check all of those gifts given to you there, there are twelve. So the gift of the Spirit, in first Corinthians, they are more like my gift. But if we add it up to Romans 12, you have twelve gifts. Of the Holy Spirit. Which speaks of maturity. Which speaks of fullness. Which speaks of completeness. Are you following that? Praise the Lord. Now just an interesting thing again. I need you to see. Acts chapter 19 verse 6 to 7. An interesting thing that I need you to see. And when Paul had laid his hand upon them. Now, let's go back a little bit from verse 5. When they had this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they, were sp- I mean, they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Verse 7 says, And all the men were about what? Twelve. Did you see that? All the men that this happened to were about twelve. He lay hands on them, twelve of them. They received the pattern of the Holy Spirit. They begin to prophesy. Exactly what we find in the case of Jesus calling twelve disciples and making them what? Apostles. Same thing. Number twelve. Praise the Lord. Revelation 22, verse number 2. Oh, we can take from number 1 and number 2. Same thing. Take it from verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and out of the land. Now, you must, you must begin to understand that this cannot be a physical river, right? It's coming from the throne. And then verse 2 says, And in the midst of the street of it, and on the other side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. This is the release of the Holy Spirit. River, you must know, speaks about the Holy Spirit of God. The healing coming forth is just a glorious move of the Holy Spirit impacting the nations. Praise the living God. Are we together? The tree of life as opposed to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That is just it. So what you find in Genesis that was missing is being restored in the book of Revelation. Are we here? Praise the living God. So that is the thing. It was very into a manner of fruits. And what, what fruit is supposed to be that? And he said, the least of this tree for the healing of the nation. That is to say, if you want to go back to all that we are talking about, what could the fruit stand for? Of course, the fruit of the Spirit. With the man for the healing of the nations. With the least of this tree. About the healing of the nations. Praise the living God. Are we here? All right. Again, you find a very strong principle in the book of Matthew 19, verse 28. Jesus was speaking to the twelve, and he told them this. And Jesus said unto them, Very I say unto you, 
idea which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, you shall sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now Israel never had twelve thrones, literally. And then the time of regeneration actually speaks about the time of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Like you find in Titus. Amen. Hallelujah. So he was simply telling them, by the time I'm sitting on my throne, which he did when he ascended on the day of Pentecost. In fact, Peter testified to that. That David prophesied that he's out of his line, he see shall sit upon his throne. And so David sat upon, I mean, Jesus sat upon the throne of his father, David, right from the time of resurrection. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit brought the twelve disciples to the place of their own throne. What I mean says they were able to judge Israel. What's the judgment? Judgment is not sentencing people to death. Judgment is simply creating light in place of darkness. Are you still with me? Praise the living God. When somebody asked me a question recently, talking about... Um, when the scripture says He has appointed a day in the which He will judge the world Have you read that? I think they are 17, 13 or thereabout He has appointed a day in the which He will judge the world In righteousness by that man Have you read that before in your Bible? Are you there with me? Now you follow what the judgment is What is the judgment? Judgment in righteousness that is to say, when the judgment comes, men will move into righteousness. You find that in Isaiah 26 verse 9. Let's look at Isaiah 26 verse number 9. We can find it. Praise the Lord. 26 verse number 9. Isaiah 26. With my soul... Have I desired thee in the night? Now, you can see the prayer of this prophet. Look at what he's desiring. I wish we, the church, can even desire like Isaiah was desiring. With my soul have I desired thee. Where? In the night. Yeah. With my spirit within me, will I seek the early. For when thy judgment are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will do what? Will learn righteousness. That's the result of God's judgment. God's judgment will produce righteousness. So he has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness. Hallelujah. So, you see, when the twelve disciples or apostles were now sitting on their throne, what were they executing? They were executing judgment in what? Righteousness. Calling forth Israel to believe in the salvation Provided by Christ Jesus. Praise the living God. That's the power of number 12. Is what I'm trying to make you see. Again, you find that Solomon appointed 12 of his house over Israel. And again, you find that even in, in the Old Testament we have 12 people were uniquely anointed into divine responsibilities according to the scriptures. We don't have time to read all of that. People like Aaron and his son... Saul, David, Solomon, you know, all these guys were appointed to serve as kings. And there are two heavy number if you take time to study all of that. Praise the living God. Right? Are we here? Okay. Uh, if you take time to study 1 Samuel 28, 3 to 6, you find that. The breastplate of the high priest had twelve stones, which were the Urim and Tumim, that were meant to make decision. For Samuel 28, 3-6. You can also read Numbers 27, verse 21. And all of those twelve stones on the breastplate of the high priest represent the twelve tribes of Israel. Again, praise the living God. Those twelve stones represent the twelve tribes of Israel. 
and they were the middle by which decisions were made. You need to hear from God, the consorts, the stones, the Urim and Tamium, and they begin to speak through the high priest. They flash, and they give you answer and a response. It's another way of telling us that if you truly want to hear the voice of God, as it should be, it should be connected to the body. It should be united to the body. Praise the living God. Are we following this? Amen? Right. So that's again, powerful number 12, you find in that particular picture of the high priest with the 12 stones. Right? On the breastplate. So anytime he goes to the most holy place to minister before God, he's presenting Israel before God. And when you want to find an answer, you need questions, there are confusions, you need answers to certain problems, you just go there and the high priest begin to talk, and there are flashes of lights that comes out of the that which is called the Urim and the Tamium to give answers. But like I said, can we look at that? Anyway, 1 Samuel 28, 3 to 6. Let's just take a look at that. 1 Samuel 28, 3 to 6. Then shall frustrate all. I mean, oh God. Now Samuel was dead. And all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirit and the wizard out of the land. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shinnom. And so gathered all Israel together and they pitched in Canaan. And when Saul saw that the host of Philistines, he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled. And the Bible says, And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord asked him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by the prophets. Now Urim or the Temim was what was in the priesthood. The priest was carrying that. You get answers from those portions when you make inquiry. Now here God was no longer responding because of the fall of Saul, his attitude at that particular time. So again, like I said, these twelve stones were in the priesthood, the chest of the high priest, you know, at any point in time. Let's look at number 27, verse 21, and then we'll close from there. Number 27. And he shall stand before Eliezer the priest, who shall ask counsel for him, after the judgment of Urim before the Lord, at his word, shall they go out, and at his word, they shall come in, both him and all the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation. The Urim, like I said, is what you find in the priesthood chest. The high priest wears this in the most holy place. And like I said, there are twelve stones. And those twelve stones represent what? The twelve tribes of Israel. So twelve is the fullness of the kingdom of God. Is the nature of God. The community of God's people. That's number twelve. And so if you have your revelations, and God is trying to give you these numbers. Like I said, if he gives you, maybe you're having number eleven. Then understand something. God is trying to say, create a balance. And that you are living in a realm of chaos. Come back home. Be established. Be settled. Are we together? That's number 11. And so, you just need to think about that diligently. You need to pray about that diligently. You need to reevaluate some of your decisions. You know, because at that stage, you are going into the realm of chaos. You have left God's divine law, will, purposes. You have left His ordinances, if I may use the word. He left the, the laws that are established to guide and to lead you. Now you are trying to walk in your own counsel, like we find in the book of Jeremiah, I mean Genesis chapter 11, where the confusion came into place because they were not trying to build a tower to reach out to heaven. They were not to build a city all by themselves without God. God had to confuse them. So that is the point. So if you are receiving revelations, you are receiving ministration, God is speaking to you and giving you number 11. He's only trying to tell you that you are living in confusion. You come back home. Try and establish yourself. That when you begin to hear from God, receiving ministration in relation to number 12, you know God is trying to also minister to you, telling you that you've been established 
in his kingdom. Walking in the rules and the laws of God. Walking in the mind of the presence of God. Coming to the place where you can easily hear God for yourself. One of the primary things, like I said before, is that when you get to that place of really coming to the kingdom, the name of the Father is written on your forehead. You are identified with God. The wisdom is heavenly. You now at this stage, you're walking with the Lamb, you're walking with Christ, whichever way He asks you to go, that is where you go. You're not walking by your own wisdom anymore. Hallelujah. In that stage, you are singing a new song, which is the song of redemption, which is completely different from the song of the Lamb. And I told you the difference between the two songs. One is a song of deliverance, one is a song of redemption. We are talking about how God has redeemed us from the cause of the Lord, has redeemed us from everything that we were supposed to be messed in. That is our song. And the song speaks of a nature, it speaks of a mindset, it speaks of inspiration, it speaks of knowledge. That's what song is actually all about. To sing a song is like you communicating what you've already received in your mind and in your spirit. So, until you actually walk into the place of that realization that you are redeemed, uh, I, I did a post recently. I remember teaching a, a subject here in, 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 in 2017 when I talked about the Alpha Blood. I mean, if you can still remember that, the Alpha Blood. He said, the blood, when, when, when Judas made that statement, I've betrayed the innocent blood. What he meant to say is, I've betrayed the Alpha Blood, the original blood. Right? That was the blood that was supposed to be in Adam before the fall. And that was the blood that Jesus came with. And that's the blood by which we are redeemed. We are redeemed with the Alpha blood. So in the true sense, we are the Alpha people. We belong to God. Because we have a new blood within our system. That is why it is completely erroneous for you to believe that the blood of your father, you can suffer causes, what people call generational causes. It's absolutely erroneous. It's not scriptural. Except you are not born from above. You're born again, another blood is into your life, which is the alpha blood. That the value of that blood is your value. If you're going to buy a vehicle and they tell you the vehicle is two million, that's the value for the vehicle. When you bring in the vehicle, you're looking at your two million. Is that okay? So the, the value of your redemption is the alpha blood. That is who you are. You are not in the blood of your fathers, your blood of your forefathers. So whatever they did then is going to be happening to you today. No. Except you are not born again. Except you don't understand what it means to be in the kingdom. Praise the living God. So we pass all of that. We come into the kingdom. We walk in among, if you use the word, the 144,000 redeemed from amongst men. And we have become the first fruit unto God by reason of his word. We are not defiled by women. You need to think seriously about that. That's what gives you understanding. If you understand what a fivefold ministry was supposed to do, can we look at that while I close? Ephesians 4, let's look at verse 11 to 13. The only reason why God gave the fivefold ministry, and He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For the perfecting of the saints, maturing the saints. Perfecting means maturing the saints. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we are come, what? In the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, not Son of Man, not Adam, knowledge of the Son of God. You first of all had the knowledge of Adam. Now you have the knowledge of the Son of God. Are you following what I'm saying here? Unto a perfect man, unto what? The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is what the ministry was supposed to do for you. The five-hour ministry. Any pastor that you're supposed to be under brings you to this level. But look at verse 14. That, this is the only reason, we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with what? Every wind of doctrine. 
But in slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby what? They lie in wait to deceive. That's what the Bible says. We have come to that dimension where we are not defied by women. No deception. That's what he's talking about. Are you following me? Right. When he says we are not defied by women, that we are not corrupted by the church system, we are not messed up by the doctrines of men, we are not messed up by what everybody teaches, that are not in congruence with the word of God. You are not. Why? You are first fruit unto the land. You are received the name of the Father in your forehead. Your wisdom is now heavenly. Light is breaking forth. And this is why I keep crying every day that you must come to that place where you hear God for yourself. Because that is the only ministry that God has given to us to raise you to the place of maturity where you can truly become sons of God. God being your Father, you being a son of God. Praise the living God. Have I helped you tonight? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Obaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.